Hello, and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9 a.m. or for our more traditional service at 11 a.m. We also stream full services live on our Facebook page. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So today in the life of our church is confirmation, and already this day we confirmed eight new members, eight young adults, into the life of our church, and today the last but not least two will be confirmed today, and it's an exciting moment because we gave them the choice. Do you want to be confirmed or not? Do you want to take onus of your baptismal vows? Do you want to join the United Methodist Church? Do you want to join Crozet United Methodist Church? Is this what you desire? And they said yes. And then we gave them the option of how they wanted to do that, and they decided to do it in the worship service that they most often attend. Now, one of our confirmands has two parents who are very active in our worship service at 11 o'clock. Uh, Jamie happens to be in the choir this morning. And his mother, Sandra, is one of our newly commissioned congregational care members, uh, ministers. And so it's a wonderful way to be able to have Wes come and be a part of our life here. And the other one is my son, who you know what I do at 11 o'clock worship. And so he is here, and my parents are here. They were here at his baptism, and I'm pretty sure that Jamie and Sandra were at Wes's baptism. And so to be able to see that promise that has been over a decade in the making come to fruition is a beautiful thing. But confirmation is not just for the confirmands and their families. Confirmation is about all of us, because these two young adults are choosing us, Crozet United Methodist Church, they are choosing to become part of what is already happening here, but to become part of something that is new, that has not yet been, and that wouldn't be without them. Sometimes we look at confirmation as we're just getting new members here into the church, and so they will become like us. But that is not what is theologically happening today. Today, what is theologically happening is that they are making covenant before God and with God and us that all of us might be transformed together. They are becoming something new, and we are becoming something new because of them. And together, the God who is making all things new, declares the book of Revelation, will make us new as well if we choose to reaffirm our place in the body of Christ. Whether we were baptized as children, baptized at all, whether we have become a formal member of the United Methodist denomination or of Crozet United Methodist Church, today is an opportunity to reaffirm what God has written on our hearts, says the Apostle Paul. Now our scripture is about this new idea of covenant that was coming into being in the early church. Covenant is not a new thing. It certainly wasn't even new in the New Testament. In the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, covenant was part of the very foundation in the book of Genesis. And certainly it is pivotal in the book of Exodus. But every time God initiates a covenant, God is inviting someone to reorient their identity now around God and this new relationship. And sometimes it is a covenant that appears to be between God and a person like Abraham. 
But sometimes it is through these covenants that we understand God claiming a greater number of people, like all of Israel that gathered at the foot of Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus and heard God declare as God initiated, I am your God and you are my people. Not just those that were physically present that day, but all of their descendants, both actual and spiritual, are part of that covenant, which means that we get to be part not only of that covenant, but of the covenant around which the New Testament is founded, the new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ, which we will have the opportunity to remember a little later in our worship service in the sacrament of Holy Communion. And so today we get to ponder and consider and think about what it was that first made us want to draw closer to God. What is it that made us think that our faith should be more than just a thought or a feeling that is inward, but instead that our faith should be enlivened and vital, shared not only amongst others in worship, but outside of worship in mission and ministry? What was it that brought us here? Now, in the life of the church, in the United Methodist tradition, a lot of people are baptized as infants or young children, and sometimes even young adults, as we had earlier this morning. And so it becomes necessary to confirm the vows that were given to their parents or their guardians or their sponsors when they were too young to actually take those vows for themselves or to understand what they were getting into, as you might wonder. What is it that we are getting into when we join the church? I can remember, not when I joined the church, I don't actually remember my confirmation very much. Sorry, Mom. I don't remember my confirmation very well. Um, I know I was 14. I know that, we, I mean, I kind of remember parts of it. I'm getting old. I kind of remember parts of the confirmation process, but I don't actually remember that confirmation Sunday very clearly. What I do remember is that shortly after I was confirmed and I continued to grow my participation in the life of my church, uh, somebody did what a lot of Methodists do, and they talked to me about joining a committee. <laughs> You're laughing because you know right? It's like, oh, you're a member of the church. Now you can be on a committee. And you were like, I guess that's what we were signing up for, right? I think that's what we were doing. And so because my parents had served on committees and because I had witnessed other adults serve on committees, I thought, I guess I need to serve on a committee. And so I became a very viable youth rep because I had been confirmed and I was of age to be a youth rep. And so I became a youth representative on some committees, um, was helping on the youth council at my church. But then this set me on a new path. For me, confirmation led me down a path that would eventually culminate in my senior year of high school, preaching and getting my call to become clergy. And that call took quite a long time to be fulfilled. It took almost 17 years from the time that I received the call to the time that I was ordained. And I stand before you this morning wearing the stole that was placed on me immediately after the bishop ordained me. And it just so happened that I remember that very well. I remember that very well. But one of the things that I remember about that was that my son was there with me. You're allowed to bring one lay person up with you. <laughs> And he wanted to be the one to come with me. And so he did. And he knelt down beside me, which was not expected or intended, but he did. And he knelt down beside me, and he was present with me when God confirmed a new covenant for me. 
And so to be able here today and confirm a new covenant, not just with him, but with Wes is a very powerful thing because while I don't remember my confirmation, I remember the confirmations that I have been a part of as I co-led as an associate pastor or as I led myself as a senior pastor. Those I remember very well. And every opportunity I have through them coming back to their home church or experiencing people in the world or through the gift of social media, I have the opportunity to see what those confirmands have continued to grow into and to become more and more in the world, not just in the local church, but in the world itself. What are they doing there? And it's amazing because some of them are way in their 20s now. That'll make you feel old. And they are completely in a new phase of their life. And it's amazing to see how many of them have retained that connection to Christ. Now they've gone to college, and some of them are in college now, or they've gone out into the world, and they have, in various ways, continued to keep the covenantal connection, not just with God, but with the church, and in some cases, the church that even confirmed them. But this is a day when we are reminded about the importance of those connections that are being forged. And Paul was testifying to that in the scripture today. In the second letter to the Corinthian church, Paul is talking about how he and those who were his companions in Christ, those who were his companions in ministry, did not need letters of recommendation. They didn't need those as they went about their itinerant ministry because their letters, the proof of their viability as ministers was in the people of Corinth who were not perfect, but were perfectly loved. And so those people, every success, every blessing, every way in which they shared their faith and grew their numbers, those people were the testimony, the letters of recommendation that God had placed in the world about the viability of what was being done by Paul and the others. They didn't feel the need to conform to the world and have something to show that says, I can be here, because their affirmation was not written on paper, but on the hearts of the people who had come to Jesus Christ. And that's what you're getting to witness today, is that these two young adults are choosing to add their name to that covenant written not in paper, but on their hearts. And to be able to witness that and to be reminded of our own confirmation if we were confirmed or invited into a new phase of our relationship and our faith walk, our journey with God this morning. But Paul is talking about that all the confidence a Christian has is not in a baptismal certificate or a confirmation certificate or a membership certificate. Our confidence comes from Christ alone. It is only in Christ that we are able to stand before God. It is only in Christ that we are able to do the incredible work that is vital and necessary of our faith and of our religion. And when Paul is talking about God doing a new thing. He is referencing that covenant that Moses was such a huge part of, what's actually referred to as the Mosaic Covenant at Mount Sinai, that here, this covenant is not the letter of the law, but it is about the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The law will always convict us of the things that we have done wrong, but the Spirit liberates us from that guilt and that failure and gives us new life which is what we experienced in the sacrament of Holy Communion. 
And that is what Paul was trying to get the people of Corinth to remember. Like all groups of people, especially Christian ones, there arises issues of contention or disagreement or pain and suffering in the life of community. And in this case, when Paul was talking about that with the people of Corinth, he wanted to bring them back to their only hope of overcoming those things, and that is Jesus Christ. That nothing can tear them apart if they remain connected to Jesus Christ. And covenant is able to do that with us. That's why in the Christian tradition, we don't refer to legal marriage. We refer to the covenant of holy matrimony. And as a matter of fact, later on this evening, I will be officiating a covenant of holy matrimony. But we wonder, what effect will confirmation have? Well, I tell you that a lot of the confirmands have already been a vibrant, vital part of the life of our church. In fact, I was sharing with one of our confirmands' grandparents after the 9 o'clock worship service that during the pandemic, if you were watching online with us, you know that we made great strides from that first Sunday. Great strides. <laughs> we weren't sure what we were doing that first Sunday. At least I didn't know what I was doing. And our staff and our volunteers continued to pour effort and research and intentionality into making that a better experience. Well, at some point, we hadn't gone on to perfection, and we still continue to strive for excellence in this area, but at some point in the pandemic, one of my colleagues said to me, we were doing a clergy Zoom, said to me, I watched your online worship service the other day, and your camera work is the best that I have seen. And I was like, yes, do you know why? I've got an eighth grader doing it. And Owen, who we just confirmed today, Owen remains one of the best videographers in the Virginia Annual Conference. He is amazing. And because of his perseverance and his presence in worship, you don't always get to see Owen because he's back in the tech booth. But every now and then, if you were to come early to worship service, you might see him tweaking where the cameras are and making sure the angle is correct. And sometimes he would have an idea of where to put another camera, especially before we mounted our three that we have permanently mounted. And so Owen started to take a leadership in part of the ministry of our worship. And over time, he devoted more and more of his efforts into making sure that it kept getting better. I wish you could have seen my colleague's face when I was like, it's an eighth grader. Wait, what? It's an eighth grader. Now he's in ninth grade. But he was in eighth grade at the time. And our church not only persevered, but connected with a whole new people because, in part, of the work of one of the people who joined our church today. And all of our confirmands have been a blessed part of our church. Wes and Luke have been a part of our tech team in the back, you know, behind the dark shroud. They've been back there. They've been slide techs. Some of our confirmands have been audio techs, videographers. Some of them have been part of our worship and praise team at 9 o'clock contemporary. Some of them have helped out in youth ministry and in children's ministry. Some of them have just helped and without them, we wouldn't be here already. 
So it's not that, what are they going to do now? What will they do next? For us as the body of Christ that is now being blessed with them becoming official members, the challenge is now to us. What are we going to do? They are already showing us what the world can be. And over the course of the last couple months, journeying with them, it has been a whole new experience because previously when I have confirmed, it's been me and the confirmands on that journey through confirmation. But this year, this year, others came and were a part of that journey. Bart Isley, our director of communications, he was a part of that journey. It helps that he had two children in confirmation, but he was a part of that journey. And Nick Fisher, who is one of our greatest audio techs, he came along and was a part of that too. And Nick doesn't have a kid in confirmation. And Doug Gaskell came and was a part of it, not just when I needed him to be when I was out of town, but he continued to come and be a part of confirmation because what he experienced there was so powerful and profound in our confirmands. And he doesn't have any kids either. So there's something to be said about choosing to be with people that you don't have to be with. And I'm sure that a lot of people would not choose to hang out with a group of middle schoolers and high schoolers. It can be very intimidating and very overwhelming, but they are fantastic. And a lot of times in the life of the church you hear, well, the youth are the future. The youth are the now. They are living in this world. They are journeying through middle school and high school, and one of them today actually graduated from high school yesterday and is on his way to college. And they are going to be a vibrant part of the world wherever they are. And yes, eventually they will become legal adults and then they will go out into the world. They may go to college, they may not, but they will be out in the world with the same level of accountability and freedom that you and I enjoy. And who will they choose to be on that day is the same question that can be posed to us. When they are 18 and they are done with high school, who are we going to choose to be? Are we going to be as committed to the next group of confirmands? Are we going to be committed to transforming how we think about people joining the life of the church? That it's not just about numbers, facts, and figures. It's about perspective and experience. It's about their gifts and their graces. And I can tell you right now, if anything happened and we were without a videographer, it's not going to be me back there figuring it out. So are others going to learn to support those ministries? Are we going to be motivated to be able to support the perpetuation, the perpetuity of these ministries that are so vital that sometimes we don't even know how far-reaching they are? And the Apostle Paul was trying to get Corinth to think differently about who they are. Think about yourselves not as just a member of this church, of this congregation in Corinth, but think about yourselves as living, breathing ambassadors for Jesus Christ and for us, he said, and for us. Because in a world that is definitely competing with their time, these were some very busy young adults. So busy that we had to split confirmation into two 30-minute meetings a week. 
We were grabbing 30 minutes between worship services on Sunday mornings, and then on Wednesdays, we would Zoom for another 30 minutes just so that we could stay connected throughout the week because they are busy, they are active, and they are on the go. But they wanted to do this. It was important. And so Bart and I had to revamp how we thought about confirmation. Because I would never have been one of those people that would be like, oh yeah, in a couple years we'll be doing confirmation for 30 minutes over Zoom. I never thought I would say that. But it was worth it and it worked. And it gives me optimism about how we might reach new people in the future. And how we might allow them to have accessibility to the things that used to be hidden away in a room in the office suite. But now they are much more accessible. And that's what Paul was trying to do, make Christ accessible to all of the people of the Roman Empire where he traversed for his job. For Corinth and for Ephesus, for the people in Rome and the people of Philippi, he was constantly trying to make sure that they had access to Christ. And these young adults today who are being confirmed, all 10 of them, are going to be ambassadors, not just for Christ, but for us. They are going to be able to say to people that this is my church, this is my family of faith. And if we want them to be good letters of recommendation, then we have to continue the work that has brought us to this day. We have to surpass what has brought them to this point that they are willing to confirm their vows. It's a challenge to us to not be content with today, but to be ambitious, hopeful, and engaged in tomorrow. Because tomorrow is coming. And who knows the impact that Wes and Luke will have in the world? Who knows? When they go somewhere and they are willing to forgive faster than their peers, who knows the impact when they are willing to love people that society is rejected? Who knows when they see brokenness and they don't just go, well, that's the way of the world. They say, we are called to be the balm of Gilead. We are called not just to help heal, but to repair, to fix, to transform systems, institutions, and societies that are broken and that are causing pain and suffering. And they can do it. They have everything they need. They have bright minds, they have inner strength, and powerful willpower, and they have the spirit of the living God. And after today, they will have us in a new way. They won't just be those young people. They will be your official siblings, not just in Christ, but in Methodism. And they will have the same level of equality, voice, and vote that we have. And together, we will do great things. If we stop looking at each other as a potential opponent, or as somebody who doesn't agree with us on everything, or someone who doesn't do what we want all the time, but if we start to look at each other 
as those who have been called by Jesus Christ, who have been called to this place for God's purpose. And like us, they have been called to serve. Then perhaps what was before us will be transformed into today. That the hope of the bright and beautiful future that is somewhere out that way will actually start to be glimpsed in today. And it will encourage us to build bigger, grander, stronger. For these two young adults are the latest in a kingdom that has been built since the inauguration of the birth of Jesus Christ. A kingdom that has been built not just by the apostles, but their disciples and every generation of disciples thereafter. It has been built by our predecessors and it continues to be built on by us. And you wonder what effect you will have. Well, the couple that I'm doing the wedding for this evening reached out on our website and sent a request to talk to me because they wanted me to officiate their wedding. Now, sometimes people want me to officiate their wedding because they happen to be close by at a winery and they're like, let's get a Methodist. And so they find somebody. And so I always have to kind of wade through with who are these people and how did they find us? But I didn't recognize the name of the bride. I didn't recognize her and I looked and she isn't in our system. And so I was like, how did she find me? And her email began, I was at a funeral that you officiated. A funeral? You're picking your wedding officiant because of a funeral? And then I had to find out whose funeral it was. I hope it was a good one. But it was. It was a good one because it was for Betty Jane Kent. And if you knew Betty Jane Kent, then you knew joy incarnate. You knew what it was to see radical hospitality enacted in a human being. And Betty Jane Kent, who used to sit right over here, was an incredible human being. And not only did I love her and her family loved her, but this church loved her. And this church turned out to celebrate her life. And in the midst of all of that celebrating of a beloved disciple of Jesus Christ, this woman experienced our church. Not just me, but us. And her experience was so powerful and profound that that's what she wanted for her wedding. We make each other better. All of us together make the body of Christ a living, breathing, vibrant place to be. And that's what she experienced, and that's what she wants in her covenant. She wants that. But it shouldn't just be something that we think of for moments like weddings or funerals or confirmation. That should be something that we strive for every day, not just on Sundays that we want to give somebody that kind of experience with us, individually and collectively, that when they look back on that day, they think to themselves, those Christians, that's who I want to be with. And today, in your midst, two incredible disciples of Jesus Christ are about to tell you that, not just with their words and their vows, but with their very presence and their receipt of a new 
helping of the Holy Spirit. And today is a new day. And we will now be on a new path. And each and every one of us have to decide, are we going to make this journey together or not? They are choosing us. We need to choose them and each other. Because together, we are capable of anything. Anything in the service of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May it be so. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one now and forever. Amen.